0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, if you're looking to join a community of like-minded individuals who love the outdoors, then you need to check out the Go Wild app. And you can find it anywhere apps are downloaded, or you can check out their website, timetogowild.com. Now, what is Go Wild? Go Wild is an app. It's a social media app where people can share their hunting, their fishing, their outdoor adventures through posts and pictures and log time. And all that kind of generates this score. And this score is almost like an overall score of how your quote-unquote adventure went. It's a pretty cool, pretty interesting uh, concept, and I think you guys should all check it out. So visit timetogowild.com or download this app wherever you currently download your apps it's time to go wild welcome back everyone for
1: another episode of the freshwater bite podcast let's get into episode number 10 here we go gentlemen, my guest today is Matt Bain. Matt is someone who's a buddy of mine and he is on field staff for a couple of fishing companies in the outdoor industry. And I just think uh, Matt's story about how he got on board with some of these companies and his unique set of skills uh, can really benefit you if you're someone out there who's looking to promote the sport of fishing or hunting or whatever it is. We also get into why it's important to wear an ice suit, a flotation ice suit, and Matt shares a personal story along those lines. We also get into ice sonars, budget-friendly ones, and you know the right kind of starting settings on how to set those up to make sure that you're ready for this season of ice coming our way here shortly. So let's get into it. Let's welcome Matt. He's a great dude, and uh, happy he came on. Here we go, Matt. What's going on, buddy? We finally got you on this podcast. You're a busy dude.
2: That that I am.
1: All right. Can you give everybody just a quick rundown about you know where you're from, uh, where you live, the type of bodies of water that you typically fish, and uh, you know things like that. A little bit of backstory about yourself.
2: Well, I am from uh, Central New York, the Syracuse area, um, and I currently fish uh, mainly Oneida Lake, um, and a little bit of Lake Ontario, and a lot of the Canadian lakes up in Frontenac Park. Um, they're, they're kind of all unique lakes. Uh, Oneida is, uh, is basically, uh, like a, like a big breeding ground for, for, for the, the good eater size walleyes. Um, and then Lake Ontario has got the bigger, like tankers. And then, uh, when you get up to Canada, there's a lot of bass fishing and, uh, lake trout fishing. So we got a little bit of everything around here. Um, and then we also have a pretty killer, uh, perch bite also. What's your favorite fish to chase? Uh, you know, summertime, I love bass and lake trout fishing. Um, during the uh, wintertime, I'm a huge walleye and perch guy.
1: Did you grow up fishing these lakes, or how did you get into fishing?
2: You know, I kind of got into fishing late in life. I, um, I've always been a techie, and uh, I and I love knowledge from uh, like older older people. So i my parents bought a, a cottage in Canada um, when I was about uh, 10 years old and um, all the uh, older people on the lake were always fishing. And I just, one day I'm like, I want to go out. And um, I went out with uh, an older guy that was, you know, probably in his 60s at the time. And he brought me out and uh, basically screwed with me. And it was kind of a a fun story. Um, You know, we were out pan fishing and just, they're killing fish and I can not get a fish to bite. And I'm just like, frustrated and just cannot uh, get anything going. And I'm, you know, I'm like trying to get information. I'm like, you know, what's the trick? And uh, this this older gentleman, Paul, um, started started pulling out little daddy long legs out of the boat. And it's like, well, here's the trick. And uh, so he, you know, he puts one on my hook and drop it down and still nothing. And, you know, they are kind of like laughing a little bit. And um, so I'm, you know, I'm still frustrated pull it back up and he goes, wait a minute. You didn't take the legs off of, the uh, day long legs. <laughs> and he, you know, so you got to take them off cause that tickles their throat and they won't bite. And, you know, oh. <laughs> so you know, they totally were, were, were having some fun with me and uh, you know, I, I had a great time and that's pretty much how I got started in the fishing world. So
1: what really hooked you in to keep doing it? Like, was it just that camaraderie that you were building with people on the lake or you just, what?
2: Yeah. You know, I love, you know, knowledge. Um, I've always just wanted to learn. So once I got hooked into, um, you know, the electronics aspect of it, or you know, the the, the different lures and techniques, I um, I just got attracted more towards you know those bigger fishermen around me and um, just hanging out with them and just kind of soaking as much knowledge as possible. And um, it, it just kind of t- just spiraled out of control for me. And you know, now I'm out here staffing for a bunch of companies
1: and how did you get into that because you're not really i mean obviously you're 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 a great fisherman but at the same time it's not you're not a a tournament angler or a quote-unquote pro out there fishing tournaments every weekend
2: so i started out um basically i've gotten noticed for a couple things um probably about seven or eight years ago, I was running a a flasher from Markham and, um, it it was just sent out that year. And I noticed that there were a couple of things that was lacking. It was kind of shocked me. So I, you know, I called up Markham and spoke with one of the tech guys. And after, you know, a good hour hour and a half talk, you know, they were kind of shocked that I picked up on that and I got offered, um, you know, a, a field staffing position at the time and, uh, you know that turns into a pro staffing job down the road um, and then I had another and then I've got an interesting skill set with um I do a lot of photography work on the side um so a lot of companies like j t have uh, brought me on to you know do product photography for them and and a little bit of marketing for them
1: yeah besides you being you know a good fisherman and, and an avid angler that's interesting that you know to me you were self aware enough to to go all in on your your tech side of things or your your engineering mind and you know bring a solution to one of their problems to to benefit the company.
2: Yeah, I just kind of love the you know how this how do things work kind of thing and um, it, it, the Markham partnership was just it just was a perfect combination for me and uh, you know I'm sure it's helped them out a little bit also. Um, so yeah, that's how it kind of all happened. It was uh, an interesting thing. So
1: basically you're you're taking a lot of their product um are you getting some of the 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 products that they come out with ahead of time to kind of put it through the ringer to see w- what's wrong with it or what's not what's working great and what they can improve on
2: yeah so um you know the rt9 i was basically working with for um you know i think this is my fourth year working on that and uh
1: Tell everybody yeah. what the RT9 is in case they don't know what that is.
2: The RT9 is a portable tablet uh flasher that um it was the first uh unit that had offered sonar and um GPS on the same in the same body. Okay. Um it, it's a it's you know it it's, it's come a long way. And it's just what's amazing about it is the how much like the add-ons to it. You can uh you can add like three pucks or transducers to it. You can um you can run two transducers, a camera. It's just, you could pretty much set it up any way you possibly can dream. And it's just, the flexibility is pretty amazing on it.
1: Okay. So you ran that ahead of time and kind of worked out, helped work out all the bugs on that thing. Yeah,
2: I had that and I was running uh, the different firmware uh, versions the past few years. Um, and they just came out with a, a, a new firmware, uh, this summer that really improved the unit. Um, coming from a from a GPS standpoint and also from um, the sonar aspect of it. it. It was just a major upgrade in, in the unit. And what's nice about it is they continue to upgrade the unit as, you know, the time evolves. Okay.
1: So this is, <clears throat> this is really interesting to me because a lot of folks, I think, out there think that you've got to be tournament fishing or be considered, unquote, a pro in order to be um, – on pro staff or on staff with certain, uh, companies, whether that be fishing, hunting, whatever. But I feel like, especially during this age of, um, you know, social media, like like you said, your photography skills, your tech skills, a lot of these companies are looking for, um, other assets out of, uh, outdoorsmen and, uh, whoever to bring something else to the table and to their company and they're getting pro staff deals out of it.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities right now, um, and I think especially with some of the smaller companies that are coming up through the field, um, people are looking for that advantage. And if you have a skill, a special skill set that they find attractive, you know, basically, you know, you can pitch your, you know, onto uh, a company and, and really go far right now. Uh, um, you know, there, there's a lot of good, you know, in, in my field of like like jake Flaw who who, um does a lot of photography work and filming for um for next bite you know he's a great at you know someone to uh to look at also that does um you know a lot of photography and that kind of thing so what do you think
1: what so so what what would you consider yourself or what is the definition of this evolving changing definition of a quote-unquote a pro a fishing pro staff member
2: so, I think in today's world, pro is for promotion um it's no longer a professional fisherman um, you know i I think there's so few of those people that are actually qualified um, you know to, to to for that have that label um where I think a promotion staff is more where the field is heading towards um you know I think If people are looking to get on, the 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 trick to it is to really be dedicated and and use a product and and stand behind a product and believe in that product. Um, You know, if if you're just going out there just trying to throw a pro staff label next to your 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 bio, you know, chances are you're gonna get burned out and used and spit out, and uh, you won't last in this field very long.
1: Well, I think people can sniff out the um, the fakeness or the bullshit too, because if you're not using a product and you're just writing these companies or saying that you can do X, Y, and Z for them, but you've never used their product, it's kind of disingenuous to not only the people who, um, you know, are looking at their products or the people that are following you or look up to you. So, you know, you need to, you need to keep it consistent with what, what gear you actually use, even if it's not like you said, the smaller companies, these smaller companies, um, you know, you can, you can do a, you can go a long way with these smaller companies than you can with bigger companies that has fifty people on SproTat or Pro Staff, where you could be like one of five, but bring a lot more value to the company. And as the company grows, you're gonna grow with the company.
2: Yeah, you know, when I first got into this, I basically started out with Markham and a smaller um, custom rod company in, in my area, um, which is called Royal Custom Rods. And um you know, I, I I had a chance to fish with um, Chris Granard up in uh, Rainy Lake, and uh, after a week of fishing with him, I got offered to come on staff with with JT. And um, you know, I remember I remember I was on the phone with Chris for a few hours, a couple times, and I was just you know, I'm like, I don't want to leave this company. I, I you know, this guy I, I'm working for is is great. I believe in it, and um, you know, Chris is like, you know, think about it. And I ended up talking to the owner of, 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 the company. And I remember he, he, he sat me or he, he sat me down. And he was like, you have to be the biggest idiot, um, because that company has it going on. And, and if, if you don't jump on this, you're, you're a complete, you know, moron. <laughs> so I, uh, he, he goes, you know, hang up the phone with me and, and call them right back and, and tell them you're, you're in. Uh, so, um, I, you know, I look back and I, I would do anything for for, for Rich and uh, Royal Custom Rods still, um, and I, I think that opportunity to, you know, for me to grow was was a was a pretty great aspect in that in that uh, in, in this field.
1: Yeah, I mean, dude, listen, yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's a controversial subject to talk about, but I think it's important to talk about too at the same time because if there's anyone out there aspiring to be uh, you know, a staff member for a company, you want to make sure you do it the right way. And you know, this is, this is a good example. Um, there's another unique situation that you told me about. Tell me about how you came on board with, uh, striker. Cause I think this is something that some people like a hardcore example of how you live and die by some of your products and how it leads to other opportunities.
2: Uh, so striker, um, I've always been a believer in, uh, in, you know, having the best possible gear you can, you can afford. Um, you know, and I, as I got into ice fishing, you know, I went from wearing car out there and snow suits to, um, to, you know, having other companies fishing suits. Um, and I remember somebody, I was out with somebody and they were, they were talking about, you know, going through the ice as they were walking out by the ramp. And I'm like, you know, I fish by myself quite a bit. This is probably not, um, it's probably not smart to, to be out here without any kind of safety gear. Um, so I went out and I bought, um, a, a striker climate suit and I was, um, I was heading to Canada, um, with, with, um, with a few friends at the time. And, um, I went out by myself in the morning and no one else wanted to go. It was like 24 below zero. And I was sitting on the ice just looking for Lakers and I was whole hopping all over the lake. And, um, you know, I came up to this one area that I knew that there was fish and you usually can't fish it, um, because there's a, there's a, there's a dam on this lake. Um, but the dam, when I was closed, when I, when I, when I pulled into, into my cottage a couple of days prior, um, so I, you know, I, I knew I was fine, and then uh, sure enough, that dam well opened up, and uh, it, it just chewed the ice away pretty quickly underneath me, and uh, I ended up going through about uh, two miles out away from anybody.
1: How many inches of ice did you start with?
2: It was on ten. It, it was there was ten inches all around me. Um, okay. I, think, I think I was just on a pocket that um, that was a little a little thinner, and it just got chewed away from um, from that that water being dragged blow me okay um so i you know i i went through i was sitting on my snowmobile jigging and um all of a sudden it just i i could just it just crumbled underneath me and uh it it's you know that sound i'll never forget it was just surreal and i'm just like are you kidding me kind of thing and um so i tried to lunge off my snowmobile and, and try to you know get myself to to a you know a, um where the ice was still was still together and didn't make it, went in under the water, and uh, tried getting out a few times, and the ice kept, kept breaking as I kept trying to pull myself out. Um, and I'll tell you, the, the, the biggest thing I can tell you with this thing is um, I'm very calm under pressure, and uh, so I, I kind of just sat there, took a deep breath, and I I was noticing that my entire body was was just basically floating like a bobber, and it was, it was pretty interesting. Um because you, know, you never want to test out ice suits. No. <laughs> uh, so, so you're not really sure, you, you know, you assume they work, but you're not really, um, you're not really positive. And uh, I, uh, my knees came up to my chest and I'm kind of like almost in a field position. And I, you know, I, you know, that cold air when it, comes, when it goes below between your jacket and your clothes, it's so cold in the cold water, it just knocked the air out of me. So, you know, you're, you're fighting t- to get you know, a full breath of air and try to stay calm. And I remember I, I I think after the third or fourth time of trying to get out, I finally got out and rolled away. Um, and then I'm at the point where, you know, I have to get to safety and, um, I had a couple options. I remember I had one friend who I spoke to, um, that morning who just got back in town and, um, I'm like, I'm going there. And, you know, I know his house is warm and I know he's there. And, um, so I, I walked all the way out there, but so
1: you, you were two miles out, right?
2: Yeah. it was two miles soaking wet. Holy uh, shit. Yeah. 24 below zero.
1: Did you have ice picks or anything up to get you up on the ice or were you just kind of like keeping your arms close to your body and kind of like army crawling up?
2: So I, on I, the ice? I didn't have picks and, um, you know, I, I think that's just pure stupidity at this point, uh, reflecting back on, on it now. Cause now I, I pretty much go out with the kitchen sink. Um, but, um. I, I, what I did was I kept trying to put my my elbows and try to spread as much surface area as possible. Um, so I had my palms wide open on the ice and my entire forearm was on the ice, and I kind of spread out as much as I could. And once I got out, I rolled away from the hole.
1: Did the suit? I'm interested to see how this happened. I never want to test this theory, obviously, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to ask you because you went through. Did your feet come up when you're saying when they came up, like a flotation device? When you got, let's say you got on your stomach and you're trying to get onto the ice part of it, were your feet like perfectly flat with like the water surface? Like, did it come up like that? Like, does it float your body up no, flat? So it, that it, way you're, go ahead. So
2: picture, um, picture you're sitting down and, um, you know, you put your feet up on like the, 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 end of the chair. So your elbow, so your knees are almost at your chest. Yeah. That's how it was with me. And I'm not, and I think it's because I was so calm that um, you know once i once i i took a couple of deep breaths i really focused and tried to stay calm and i remember my 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 knees just came right up to my chest and um, i actually had to push my feet down to get momentum to get out
1: i got you okay i got you
2: so, so yeah you know i really can, and I, I can't say anything about other suits but i can tell you that striker suit saved my life um and i i can tell you certainty that I would not be here if I didn't have that
1: suit on. Yeah, I have no affiliation with Striker, but I remember when I was probably four four or five years ago when I was buying my setup, I got the Predator suits and the jacket. But I remember thinking like it sat on there and it floats. And then you look at some of the other competitors that were next to it. And I remember thinking like, why would I not get the one that floats? You know what I mean? And then it it just seemed like a no brainer. And like you said, if you're gonna, especially if you got families or, Whatever you want to get back to. I mean, anytime you go on the ice, there's really no guarantee on anything. Look at you. You thought you were on 10 inches of ice on a snowmobile. Next thing you know, you're, you're, you're in the water. Yeah. So it was like a no-brainer to me to get that kind of stuff. So if, I don't know, I guess if anybody out there is looking for stuff this year, whatever company it is, if it's got flotation devices in it, you should get it.
2: A hundred percent agree. You, you cannot go wrong. And I think, you know, I think, you know, you spend so much money on flashers and and, um, cameras and, uh, and rods and other gear, you know, to me, the extra couple hundred dollars on a, on a a safety suit is, is worth every penny.
1: Yeah. And you can wear them even when you're not on the ice, like the first part of like thaw in the springtime, if you're whatever, if you're going for like a walleye run on a river, you can wear those same jackets and all that kind of stuff, and it's going to be super warm too. So it's not like you're just going to use it in the winter time.
2: No, as you know, we were just fishing Malax um, and um, you know, I wore yeah, everybody. My, yeah. yeah,
1: everybody had their suits on.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had my bibs on, and I was wearing, um, I was wearing a striker, a, the liner to my um, my climate suit. Yeah. So.
1: Okay, so anyways, continue. So you walk two miles back to your buddy's place.
2: So yeah, I'm walking two miles, and uh, you know, it, it was a painful painful walk like every step it felt like a million needles going to the bottom of my feet because of the frozen water in my in my boots uh-huh. um and it, it i just all i kept doing was um was was picturing you know a, a point and i'm like i need to walk to that point um and you know i would base i was i was almost you know taking baby steps the entire way um and once i got to that point i would you know i would focus to another point and another and another point point and another point. And I, I remember I got to his drive. I got off the lake and I was going. I was going up his driveway, and um, you know I, I can't even scream for help because my, my lungs are burning. I'm just physically just dead. I'm just drained. I'm freezing cold. My, my striker suit is now completely frozen from top to bottom. Um, I I wasn't my my core wasn't cold because um, I had so many like tight layers on, um, and and just that exertion and my heart pounding kept me my core warm um but my I remember my hands and my feet and um you know it was just hard to breathe and I remember I, I got to this door and he saw me come to the driveway and as I was coming to his door he opened the door and I just fell forward and collapsed. Jesus. Yeah it was you know I, I was lucky and um you know I, I I'll tell you what I I you know for that guy to basically saved me and the in striker. Um you know, I, I'm a lifelong fan of Stryker and um you know even if I wasn't on staff with them, I I would I would well I wouldn't think twice about buying more suits.
1: Right. Well that's not you know, you don't, want to, you don't want to have to fall through the ice to, uh, to become on staff, though. If you want to look at the positive, it saved your life, and you got to go on staff with them. So let's find a little bit of positive out of the situation.
2: Yeah, you know, it's fun. I, was, um, I got back into Syracuse, and um, it, I think it was a day later, and uh, I remember, you know, I, I have to, A, now I have to focus on, I have to call up and get my snowbill dragged out of the lake. Um oh, oh yeah, and, what
1: happened to all your gear? Did it all go through?
2: So my it was funny, my otter uh shanty was kind of bobbing because it was it was attached to the back of the snowmobile and it was kind oh. of bobbing in the water. Uh-huh. Uh so my buddy pulled that out. Um and um but my sled went down and my my rod cases and all that were, were attached to the snowmobile um on the small like smitty sled trailer I had at the time. And um <laughs> you know, I, my insurance company hired a, uh a seller's company to, to dive down and grab a snowmobile. And I remember thinking, um, geez, I hope my rod, my rod bag is attached to, uh, to that snowmobile still. And, and you know, of course, snowmobile comes up and my rod bag is not, there's nowhere to be found. And, uh, <laughs> I, I remember going to the guy, I'm like, Hey, um, I think he go back down there. He goes, well, I got the slide. I'm like, yeah, but there's a rod case, and <laughs> that rod case basically has my life in there, and uh, I go, if you go down there and grab that, I will hook you up with, with one of the greatest rods of all time, and, um, and he came back up, and I gave him um, a JT snare rod and also a, a Royal Custom uh, rod I had at the time, and you know that guy called me a year later and was like, that is the greatest two rods I've ever used, and I'm like... And I'm like, See, <laughs> Yeah, we're
1: told- <laughs> worth a dive back down, man.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, good. Well, we're glad you're still here with us, Matt. Well, That's thanks. crazy. That's crazy, dude. I mean, a lot of people think take that stuff for granted when they go out on the ice, I think, sometimes. You know right. what I mean? They're so focused on getting fish. They just want to get out there. They got limited time. But if you take the time to think about all the necessities and the situations that you can get into, you gotta have that kind of stuff. So
2: you really do. Um, and I, I think like I, like I've said before, you know, a fishing pole is one thing, but I think your life is more important than anything else. And, um, right. if you're not investing in that, then what are you doing?
1: So what do you, I know you gave a little advice before. So what would you suggest to people who, you know, have been fishing a long time and maybe they do want to take it to the next level and get onto the promotional side of things? What kind of advice would you give to someone who really wants to get into that? Because it's not like you have to do it. A lot of people just, you know, they just want to fish, and there's just some people who are wired to be like, you know, I want to, I want to say more about, you know, this jacket or this ice rod or this, this flasher or this shanty. They want to talk more about it and they want to become more involved with the business side of things or just promoting companies. What do you, what would, what advice would you give to someone looking to get into it?
2: So I think everybody's unique, Um, but the first thing I would do is I would, you know, look into your your tackle bag or, or, you know, your gear and find a product that you just cannot live without, and I would fish with that, use it, love it, and every time something happens, like say you go out there and fish with, you know, a rod um, or a jig and and you catch this tanker of, of a walleye, you know, snap some unique pictures with it. You know, hashtag on Instagram. Um, talk about it on Facebook. Tag the company, um, and just show people your passion for for that particular particular item. Um, you know, and also I think um, a big a big thing um, I think in this day and age is you don't want to bash other items. You know, so you know it, it, if somebody starts talking them and you happen to be a Vex guy. You know, if you start bashing Markham, you're, you're, you're not gonna go far in this world. Uh, right? and it's not a good look for, for, for you, Markham, you know, I think you definitely want to distance yourself from that kind of negativity. Um, and, and in this day and age, there's so many keyboard warriors out there that just want to strong arm people and that's just not going to go far and you're not going to go anywhere in this industry. And, um, you know, I see it all the time, and I try to, I try to be diplomatic, and I I try to pull people off to the side and message people, and you know, I'm like, you know, you might want to rethink this comment or or that comment, and, um, you know, I just had this conversation last week with with a with a kid, and um, you know, hopefully he listens to me, and if he doesn't, you know, he won't be around long to, to worry about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much other things to fight about in the world, and everyone's there's so much negativity, you know let's let's keep the our sports and our hobbies and you know the things that we're passionate about. let's lift each other up rather than like you said those keyboard warriors that like to uh, to say why what they're using is better than than something else at the end of the day. there's a ton of great products on the market and a lot of companies you know making those products too so and it's not yeah. it looks bad too from the outside with uh you know and for the sport if it just sees you know someone who might not be fishing or. You know, wants to get into this, and they just see a bunch of forums or groups or uh, of people bashing each other back and forth about what they're using. I mean, who cares at the end of the day?
2: Yeah, it, it's not a good look. And I, I remember you, um, you know, I listened to your last podcast, and you had a guy on um, talking about his page and how everybody is giving out, you know, their, their yeah. coordinates. I'm like, that's the way it should be. Yes. Um, build yes. the build the industry. Um, give back, and you know, if if the industry is stronger your company and every other company around you is going to be that much stronger. And it's just a no brainer um, to, to think industry first.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We're all trying to, you know, keep our fisheries alive and healthy and, you know, our, our sport and keep a lot of people interested in it. That's, that's how you come out with new technologies and. All yeah, exactly. That stuff, so. you,
2: you know, I think you know, technology aspect, you know, people are, you know, people are talking panoptics. and, you know, it's basically the rage, um, you know, and I'm lucky enough to use it during the summertime. Um, and I'll tell you that panoptics is, is, is pushing other companies like Markham and, um, you know, Hummingbird or whatever to develop their technologies and, and catch up and go further. And, you know, think about what could possibly be out in from like tomorrow, like it's, it's just, it's crazy to think of yeah. what, what's coming.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, competition drives, uh, you know, innovation too. So just say it, 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 it's all good. You know, at the end of the day, as long as we, we stay humble and keep our integrity, I think that's great advice that you just gave for others looking to get into what you're doing. Just stay positive, promote what you love and what you like to do, and uh, stay away from the negative stuff. 100%. Okay. So the other reason why I got you on the podcast today is you're going to bring us a ton of value about... uh you know, some entry level ice sonars, you know, a few trip, uh, tricks and tips on how to get them set up and maybe one or two units that you would suggest running this year. One that's maybe more on a budget and one, if you got just a little bit more money to spend, you know, maybe someone's trying to get into ice fishing and they don't know where to start, but give us your recommendations on, 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 on what you think.
2: Well, you know, so I'm a Markham guy. Um, you know, I think starting like a, from an entry standpoint, the M1 it's it, it's a bulletproof unit. Um, you know, when I first started out, the VX or um, it was VX one, I believe it was, um, um, was or LX one was, was just it. You know, they're just bulletproof units and they just mark fish. Um, you know, the difference separates you know an M1 from like an M3 or five is, is your 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 dual band. Um, or your 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 puck size, um your size when when you when you're down there you're you're able to you know go from you know different um size uh patterns on, on the deucer. Um you know that's a really big um uh, system and then you're also the more more power that the the transducer will have also. Um so getting in there, I think an M1, you know I ran one for years and you know, I still have it actually, and it's 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 a great unit. And I would it's happy.
1: just so everyone knows this is just like a dial flasher, like your yes, your old school. Just you know, you it's it's nothing like the new LCD screens or anything like that. This is just your old school dial flasher, and it.
2: Yeah, so you know, for, from that standpoint, and then if you wanted to get into a digital unit, and and LX six is a phenomenal um, smaller screen um, entry. Um, digital unit um, the big difference between let's say a dial and like a digital unit um, would be you're able to change the screen so you can run like a, a graph mode with an amplitude scope or you can run the, the, the flasher dial um, it, it's it's basically however you want it you can set it up that way um, it, it's kind of nice to do that you know I'll, I'll still run a flasher dial in shallow water when I'm pan fishing. Um, you know, when I'm walleye fishing or lake trout fishing, um, I want to see what's triggering the fish and, um, I'll run a graph with an amplitude scope on it and, you know, I can, you know, do my cadence with my jig and I can see exactly what made that fish come after my, my lure. Um, and it's, it's kind of nice to be able to rewind back and go, Oh, you know, it was two quick jigs and, and that walleye just came up and hit it um that kind yeah and and just so
1: folks know it's like a um it's like a history of going across the screen so you can look back you know what is it probably like close to 10 seconds ago and you can see what level or how deep you were jigging um the kind of the the cadence or the motion that you 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 did when that fish came in so basically it's giving you like a almost like a histogram of like what happened of what you did before so it's still going to be live up on your screen is that correct
2: Yeah, yeah yeah exactly okay okay um, you know, I think those are. I think those tools are invaluable. You know, you can. Um, you know, I think just being able to tune it properly, um, and using the the full color palette, um, where you can see how close that fish is, or you know, if something's moving in on underneath the um, the zone of of the transducer, it's it's um, it's it, it, they're, they're invaluable units. And um, honestly, I think it's probably the the most important tool in, 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 fishing when, when it comes to, um, going from like a, the average guy going out there to, to fish, um, and just kind of guess if there's a fish down there or actually, you know, putting a flash down there going "Oh, help, there's fish there and I'm on mud or I'm on sand or, um, there's, there's weeds there. Um, knowing what's around you and what's there, it, it's, it's a no brainer.
1: Yeah. And just so people know this M one right now, I'm on the site you can get for, I mean, this is just as of, beginning of November the price is 350 mm-hmm. um and then the LX6 let me get to that real quick I think
2: those are 630 I believe
1: 630 let me see yes you're right 630 so and you know there's always deals around Black Friday as well um if you go to ice shows uh, prior to the season things like that um uh, also if you go to your local bass pro or wherever you guys can play with these units and take a look at uh what's right for you especially if you're on a budget i mean that m1 like matt was saying it's going to do the job for you it's going to mark fish it's going to be able to tell you your depth what the fish are kind of doing and you know what kind of bottom you're working with and then if you if you're teching you want to take it to the next level you can bounce all the way up to whatever you want you know there's some with, with with cameras on it even so, yeah,
2: you know, the one thing that we didn't talk about is, um, you know, what's nice about Markham that other companies don't have is you can target zoom. Um,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about that.
2: So what's nice about that is so say you're you're, you're looking like so I fish rainy every, every year. Um, and typically the fish I, I'm there for that trophy 30 plus inch walleye. That's 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 what I want. Um, so, you know, anything smaller, I'm not really looking for in the bottom of the, of of the water column. So I'm looking for that big tanker that's floating way up high. Um, So what I generally will do is I will look for um, that bait fish that's up, that's up tall in the water column. And I will move my zoom window up to that. Okay. And what I could do is I can make that into a 10 foot increments or I could expand that or contract that. Um, And that way, when that, when that big walleye comes into that window, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm there and I, I, I'm right focused right on it and I can reel up and, and just work that, 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 um, that fish.
1: So instead of looking at the entire water column, you're focusing on the area that he's active in
2: basically. Well, I'm still watching the full water column, but I'm focusing my, my zoom where I could have, where I can really concentrate on that, on that walleye. Okay. Um, So, you know, when I'm zoomed in, you know, it's basically a a one inch separation when zoomed in.
1: Now, here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you run do you run a camera in addition to your flasher?
2: I do. Um, So, you know, a flasher will tell you, generally speaking, what that bottom is. But like, say when I'm out looking for perch or something, I want to see what exactly that bottom is. I'm looking for I want to be off the I want to be on transition points. So I want to be in that month on those flats, or will move into gravel, and I want to be right close to that transition for the bigger perch. So I will generally drop my camera down, and I will see exactly what's down there. If there's if there's structure, or you know how the bottom is, um, or even you know if there's if I'm marking fish, I want to see what kind of fish are down there.
1: Right. Yeah, and I feel like uh, some guys who don't run a camera, or they might. If you look from the outside in, some people might be like, oh, you put a camera down there so you can watch the fish. And really at the end of the day, you know, maybe that, I mean, when I bought my camera, that was probably my first intention because I thought it was <laughs> really cool to to look at the fish. But as you start to fish more and more and you get, you know, you get used to, okay, so this, so this flasher can only tell me so much. What else do I have? And I had my camera and I just started to use my camera for scouting more. So I drill my holes. I'd find my depth with my, my LX7 that I, that I use. And then I would drop the camera down there, like you said, with those transitions, what kind of structure you have. And as you spin the camera around, you can say, okay, looks like 15 feet that way. I've got sunken branches and trees or something like that. So then you can buzz over there as well, rather than keep guessing by drilling around holes. The camera to me is a is something that's I feel like overlooked in some people's eyes. And if they have extra money lying around, I would highly suggest getting the camera. Obviously, it's a bonus is watching the fish come in and, and see how it reacts to your lure, and it's just really cool to look at. But for scouting techniques and knowing what's underneath the water, to me, I, I feel like
2: it's invaluable. I totally agree. Um, the one drawback to a camera is if that fish is not biting, and you, you know you see those bigger fish down there, and it's it's going to be a long, frustrating day when you see those big fish. <laughs> ignoring your uh, <laughs> your jig all day long. It's almost like you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, you, usually you, you pull up and just be like, you know, hopefully <laughs> something something hits me.
1: I can't say enough about my camera. I love that dang thing.
2: Um, and they're, they're proving so much, you know. Um, Mark just came out with a quest that um, will have 1080p output on it, which, you know, if you're in an ice castle or something, um, you know, watching high-definition footage... Underwater is just incredible.
1: Okay. So, getting on to if you had like some tips or settings, basically on just basically any sonar, give us one or two things that you should pay attention to when setting it up. Not exact, like, you know, specs or anything, but what I mean, should people look at the INR? Should they look at, you know, the sensitivity, like all that kind of stuff? I mean, some people just drop it down in the hole. And and start fishing. What what should they pay attention to? One or two things.
2: So I always set mine up. The first thing I do is I I set it to uh, six color palette because I want to be able to see the the, the full color spectrum, um, being from red to blue, uh, red being a really strong hit, the blue which is just barely there. Um, the next thing I want to do is I'm going to set my IR to four, and I think pretty much four is the, your sweet spot in in, in the IR range, um, and and that's your 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 interference rejection. Um, you know, sensitivity, I always, I always like to work my way from, from high to low. I feel it's easier to, uh, to tune that jig in, um, from, you know, a super big blob to that very thin, perfectly clear line, um, than working your, your way from nothing to, you know, the blob. Um, so that's how I usually do it. You know, I will run like a seven to a nine on the sensitivity range usually. Um, but that's for larger stuff. Um, and then kind of adjust down from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, a lot of these units will do an automatic depth. Um, and I tend to not like that as much because I feel like there's there's a little bit of bounce. Like if there's, if there's seaweed or something down there and it's swaying, you know, that could trigger like a false bottom. Um, so I, I generally will set my own depth range, and I think that's a really important, um, you know, aspect of those of those units too.
1: So, so kind of giving yourself a ballpark. If you think it's twenty feet deep, you'll set it up to rather than the, the automatic setting. You'll just set it to that twenty or twenty-five now, foot. Yeah, I'll, you know, that, I'll drop
2: that deucer and, yeah. and it, yeah, It You know, once you turn your your, your flasher on, you, you you drop that deucer down, and if it's a dial or whatever, it's, it'll tell you. Um, you know, say 20 feet. So I will usually set that window um to about 25. um, And that way I'm covered. I gotcha. All
1: right. Well, those are good tips for people to set up. I mean, it's it, it, obviously play with your guys's own sonar of whatever you have, but you know, a lot of the times, especially if you're taking them out for the first time after them sitting on the shelf for the last seven to eight months, get those things out, make sure your battery's good before you get out there. And, uh, start playing with these settings again to, to hone back in. Cause I feel like even mine, after, after I take it out for a while, it doesn't just bounce back great right to where I left it, even though it should, there's a lot of fine tuning and things that you got to do to get that machine up and working correctly again. But, uh, okay. So last thing I want to get into is what are you going after and what lake are you going on for first ice typically?
2: First ice, Um, so this year I'm going to be out uh, working St. Paul and the Fargo shows, so um, my first ice this year will probably be um, red, um, with a couple of of JT guys, and then I'm hoping to get out in the Otter Tail area um, the following week um, and fish out there for some some crappies. Um, But out in my area... First ice is generally up north, um, up by in can- up by Canada, which is about a two-hour drive from me. Um, so I'm going to focus there and probably play with some perch and move my way towards, um, as the season goes on, towards Syracuse and start fishing walleyes in Oneida.
1: Can you give us some tips about what you set up to go after these perch?
2: So I am a big um, snare rod guy. So I-, I will run, you know, we can run five rods here. Um, so I will run, yeah, so I'll, I'll run, um, you know, like I'll run like five snare rods Jesus. and yeah, it's, it's such a blast. It's basically, you know, you'll see that snare rod loading up and you know, you you run it down and, 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 you know, you could just totally destroy like a, like the perch and it's just a blast. Um, you know, where do you you find, where,
1: where do you find that they're hanging out? hanging out the, the the beginning of the year are they still relating to that that sunken you know vegetation um
2: so i tend to look for look for the the mudflats the mudflats
1: where the bugs are at
2: yeah you know i i try to focus on those and i try to not i try to get off the edge of them because um, i feel like the jumbos are usually away, and because they're you know once they get into that bigger that bigger caliper um uh, perch, they, they, they more turn into a predator fish. So they, they start to try to,
1: they sit. roam, dude, they, they, they just they roam do. around.
2: Yeah, they do. And they, and they will sit there and try to ambush, um, like, you know, minnows and stuff. So, um, I try to, you know, once I find the school, I try to work my way back off that school and, you know, more times than not, you can get on some bigger perch.
1: And what what are you using for like your bait and everything?
2: You know, bait, I, I change it up from, um, you know, we, we use fat heads and buckeyes here. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we, we'll go to um, wigglers um or, um, you know, like spikes, that kind of thing.
1: Do you put out different presentations? Um, sometimes I do it too. It's like I'll start with something big and something small, and then I kind of let the fish tell me what they want. So I might have, you know, the grubs or the the— uh, on one or, or waxies on one. And then on, on the other one, I'll have like a small minnow, And then from there, I kind of see what kind of perch are coming in. Cause it's, sometimes the big ones aren't always feeding the same times as the, the, the smaller ones are.
2: Yeah. So I'll like when I'm perch like basically when I'm anytime i fishing, I will have like three rods set up and I will have, you know, I'll go from my big to my small. Like if I'm, if I'm running jig, jigging wraps to maybe like a smaller spoon, like a buckshot to you know a one eighth or one sixteenth ounce you know jig. Um, I, I'll have one of each set up on, on three rods, and that way they're ready to go. And I, I can basically, um, you know, if I notice that uh, the fish just aren't interested in a big something bigger, I'll work on smaller and smaller and smaller until, till they they hit it. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, it's it's kind of different with me. I, I'm I'm just such a such a gear head that I, I have so much gear. Yeah. I'm running, I usually run out there with, with 10 rods, um, wow. any given day. Yeah. So I, I really have a lot of options when it comes to, uh, to, um, you know, what I could throw down there and how I could throw it down there.
1: Five rods. I've, is that, that's not the same as in Canada too, right? Or is it, you can run No, with...
2: Canada, you can run two. Okay. Um, so, you know, when I'm out there in Canada, I'll run, you know, one snare and then I'll run a, um, I'll run like, a, like this year, I'll be running a rogue, um, up there for, for my, my perch fishing.
1: Okay. Gotcha. And, uh, if you live in Minnesota, sorry, you can only run one rod. Ha ha. That sucks. (laughs) Um, but all right, all right. Cool, man. Well, Hey, thanks. Hopefully a lot of people can, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to walk away with a lot of great knowledge from not only learning about what companies are looking for, for, you know, to be on the promotional staff, staying true to the gear that you use, and then also bringing that, what can you bring to value, not only for the company, but for people that maybe follow you or you fish with. And I think that's what a lot of the, the companies are looking for. And, uh, you know, thanks for going over all the Markham stuff with us too and and, and what units to get into and, and the setup and everything.
2: Glad I could be there. Be, be on the show, buddy. I love it.
1: What, what do you got next coming up? The shows? The ice shows?
2: Uh, yeah, I've got the ice shows coming up, and then I've got a bunch of... Uh... Ice fishing trips out to uh, out west of me this year, which is kind of exciting.
1: And a lot of people can see your like photography and stuff on where. Where can people follow you?
2: Uh, so I'm on Instagram. Um, it's Fish Boy Fishes. Uh, Twitter, it's Follow Fish Boy, um, and I'm on Facebook, obviously with my own name. Um, so I'm pretty accessible.
1: So yeah, anybody got questions with some of the gear settings um, or having problems with uh, some of their Markham things that they want to go over to maybe fine tune their settings on things, get a hold of Matt, check out his photography as well. And uh, hey, man, I hope to see you soon and uh, good luck out out at the ice shows. Thanks, buddy. It's a pleasure. All right, man. See you. See you. Matt Bain, ladies and gentlemen. He's a good dude. He's, uh, you know, I hope you guys learned something from that a little bit with the you know what it means to be on staff with a company and you know just don't think that you have to you have to be the best fisherman in the world and post the biggest fish photos all the time i mean yeah that's awesome and stuff and that's just a bonus but look and be self-aware to what you can bring in an enormous amount of value to a company that is unique Right, so maybe you're good at like Vern Matt's case, like photography or the engineering slash tech side of things, where you just you understand things that most folks, common folks, don't understand, and that's what you want to go all in on. So um, check Matt out uh, over at his Instagram accounts that he mentioned. I'll link those in the show notes as well. And remember, guys, ice fishing season is just around the corner. I've got some stuff coming up with some gear that you can look forward to around Black Friday. So I'm going to try to do a little bit of research for you guys of maybe 10 things that I would consider going out or having in my arsenal before ice season starts. And hopefully I'm going to be able to give you guys a lot of value savings around the Black Friday and uh, you can get get online and buy it yourself or you can hand it to your significant other or whoever's whoever christmas list you're on so also check out markham ice fishing units and cameras if you guys have any questions hit matt up for those and get yourself if you don't have one an ice suit that floats it's super important to have striker ice has a bunch of great options for you so check those out as well as always i appreciate you all and thanks for listening